1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 today, continuing our series through uh, understanding what the church is and the blessings that God wants to give you through his design for the church. Uh, So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of your word, and I pray that we would treasure it today, and that you would give us wisdom and humility to understand it and apply it to our own lives. God, help us to see and savor your kindness today. It's for your name we pray. Amen. How great is it? to receive a gift. Doesn't it just make you feel special when somebody just gives you something just because? It's great to get a gift on your birthday or on your anniversary. It's also great to get a gift just because, just because somebody cares about you. And the, the absolutely astounding, unthinkable aspect of Christianity is that's who our God is. He gives us gifts just because it's who he is. God's disposition is one of giving. It's just who he is. It's just what he does. He's a giving God. He's a generous God. Even though our disposition is not one of worthiness. God has showered us with gifts, friends, and blessings. Not because of our worthiness, but because of his own kindness. Today we're going to read about some particular gifts that God has given to the church from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And these gifts are just a picture of the kindness of God in which we see his most precious and supreme gift, which is the gift of his son, Christ, who died for our sins and rose again. Friends, as we approach a passage that that asks a lot of us to serve the church and to lay our lives down to serve others, we remember the God who laid his life down in service to us. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so as we think about serving the church, we do so because we worship a serving Savior. It's astounding. It's astounding. And God has given us the gift of an ability to serve the church with. You're like, well, that sounds a little backwards, doesn't it? That God's blessed us with things that we can use to serve him. Doesn't that seem a little selfish of God? Well, no, it's not. We'll get into some, some reasons why as we walk through this passage. But one thing that I want you to realize is how much of a blessing it is just to serve and help other people. 
Psychologists actually have a name for it. They call it the helper's high. Just that, that warm feeling that you get in yourself, man, it feels really good to selflessly serve someone. We all want to help. We all, we all feel good when we are able to help others, and yet we don't always feel able to serve others. A couple weeks ago, I was helping some friends move. Some of you were there in the room, and, and one of the things that we moved was a sleeper sofa. Typically, when you help someone move, you, you steer as far away from the sleeper sofa as humanly possible because it is the heaviest piece of furniture in all of humanity. Uh, human existence have culminated in creating these massive things called sleeper sofas. But, you know, I was, I was feeling good. I was ready to help. And so I was ready to help with the sleeper sofa, and I literally like did like the like hovering around the sleeper sofa like the whole way up the steps. And I was like, I am completely in the way. The, those of you that were carrying the sleeper sofa are like, yes, he was in the way. But I just wanted to help because it feels really good to help. It's really rewarding to help. And God, friends, has called you to serve, and he's equipped you with the ability to serve, and... He has given you the place and the people to serve here in the church, the family of God. And that's what we're discussing in this sermon series. Typically, we we preach through books of the Bible, verse by verse and phrase by phrase. But we're taking a few weeks away from that to preach a sermon series on what the church is. And we're calling it Expect More. Because often, we know that God has some incredible, astounding blessings stored up for you as you walk in this walk through this life with this church family but often we don't know to expect those blessings and so we miss out on them when we settle for a surface level engagement with this family so i don't want you to do that i don't want you to settle for a surface level engagement i want you to expect more Because your view of the church is way too small and God has some astounding blessings that he wants to pour out on you as you engage with the church. And so the big idea that I want you to take home today is to expect more from yourself. Because God has called you to serve and given you everything you need to do so. So the big idea I want you to take home today is that every Christian is gifted to serve God by serving others. Every Christian is gifted to serve God by serving others. So we'll see this unfold in three points. First, you are gifted for the glory of God. You are gifted by the grace of God. And you are gifted to the people of God. For the glory of God, by the grace of God, to the people of God, you are gifted. Every Christian is gifted. To serve God by serving others. So first, you are gifted for the glory of God. What we see in the first three verses of this passage is that God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in the hearts of believers, in the hearts of Christians, to help us to see the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of Christ and to proclaim the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of Christ. So here in verse 1, we begin. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so Paul starts here. We're we're stepping in in chapter 12 of what's already been an astounding 
letter. If you've been reading our Bible reading plan, you read most of 1 Corinthians this week. And so maybe you're aware of the context, but what's going on in, in the city of Corinth is that there was a lot of confusion about spiritual gifts. The Corinthians were fascinated at the idea that God had gifted some of them with some astounding ways to serve the church. Particularly, one of those gifts was the gift of tongues, where some people in the worship service, when the Corinthian church gathered, were speaking in an unintelligible, heavenly language. And so the entire worship service was getting derailed and distracted and unorderly. And that's, that's one of Paul's primary objectives throughout this letter of 1 Corinthians, is to rein in what's going on in Corinth as people are wrongly using their gifts. And so he starts here, he introduces the topic, it's kind of like the elephant in the room, he's like, you know, he's like, I know you guys know why I'm writing to you, like, your worship services are kind of a mess. I'm now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, he's broaching the topic, he's just pointing out the elephant in the room. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so he's going to instruct them. He doesn't want them to be uninformed, he wants them to be instructed. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans... You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Isn't that an interesting place to start? He starts teaching about spiritual gifts by talking about their unspiritual past. And it wasn't unspiritual because they didn't have any God. It was spiritual because they, it was unspiritual because they didn't acknowledge the true God. They gave their lives to mute idols, mute idols who couldn't reveal the truth in word who couldn't save them because they were merely made of stones and rocks. In the past, the Corinthians' life and the Corinthians' worship didn't glorify the true God because it didn't even acknowledge the true God. But I want you to notice something astounding. When you read the Bible, it's important to look at how time is at work because this verse is written in the past tense. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. And so the Corinthians were worshipers of mute idols. They were not friends of the true and mighty God. They were rebelling against him. They were running away from him. They were looking for any kind of rock or statue or pleasure or fable that could please their own tickling ears. They were running away from God, and God didn't leave them there. It's astounding. Maybe today you feel like you're running away from God. God wants nothing to do with me today. Friends, our God is a God who gives, even in spite of our unworthiness. The Corinthians, this church that Paul's going to go on and say they're profoundly gifted. They've been profoundly graced by God. This is where they started. They didn't start with their own wonder and their own worthiness. They started with their own foolishness, their own idolatry. God opened their eyes to see the foolishness of their idols and the greatness of Christ. Verse 3, so that's their past. And verse 3, therefore, in light of that, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. Again, it's an interesting place to start. 
He starts his teaching about spiritual gifts by showing what spiritual gifts aren't. It's not just any show of power that we put under this category of spiritual gifts. By the way, if you're very confused, like, what is a spiritual gift anyway? We're going to get there. Hang on. Keep riding with me. He starts by describing what spiritual gifts aren't. And in this case, it's not a spiritual gift. You can know for sure it's not a spiritual gift if it denies Christ's lordship. So if someone is using their gifts for self-aggrandizement or using their gifts to spread a false gospel, it's not a spiritual gift. People always say, you know, Hitler was a great speaker. And it's like, okay, great. Let's look for all the praiseworthy things about Hitler. No, we don't want to do that. Regardless of how gifted or not he was, he didn't use his gifts to glorify God. And by his actions, degrading the image of God in others, he said Jesus is accursed. He denied the lordship of Christ. And so all of his gifts and power and might were nullified. They were worthless. Those weren't spiritual gifts. He wasn't speaking in the spirit of God. And no one can say, he goes on in verse 3, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So you see, he says it positively. If you curse Jesus, it's not a spiritual gift. It's not worthwhile. And if you praise Jesus, it's only because of the Spirit of God in you. No one, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And that's not saying like no one has the fine motor skills in their jaw to be able to say the words Jesus is Lord unless God the Holy Spirit helps them. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that the way that we live and the way that we serve cannot bring glory to God unless God the Holy Spirit helps us. It's impossible to glorify God unless God the Holy Spirit himself helps us. And why is that? Why can't we bring glory to God unless God himself empowers us and equips us? It's because we too, friends, are worshipers of mute idols. And maybe you won't go home today and have a statue of the Greek goddess Diana in your home. I hope not. If, if so, come talk to me afterwards. We'll have another conversation about that. And yet we're all enslaved to idols, We live obsessed with accumulating power or accumulating wealth or being respected or known or liked. We're not living for God. We're living for ourselves. We're completely distracted and derailed. We're blind and our eyes will never be opened unless God himself intervenes. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Again, friends, just notice the wonder of the past tense that that you couldn't say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And, And now those of you who are Christians, you can say that. You can testify to the Lordship of Christ. You can give your life to the Lordship of Christ. Not because you've gotten your life figured out, but because God has saved you. It's astounding, friends. God, the Holy Spirit, has opened your eyes to see the wonders of Christ. Because Christ lived the perfect life that you haven't lived. He never worshipped false idols. He always lived to glorify God. And Christ died for sinners, friends. 
He died not for his own punishment because he didn't have any crimes that could be punished. Christ was punished on our behalf. When Christ went to the cross, he took our sins on his back. And they were paid for in full, full stop. There's no more debt to pay because Christ has paid them. All of your rebellion, just like the Corinthians, running away from God, worshiping mute idols, living for other things besides the risen Christ. All of those things are damnable sins, but Christ has paid for them at the cross. And then he rose from the dead to show off his power to say, I am the Lord, so worship me. Friends, come to him and worship him. Praise him. Your life is not worth living without him. He alone can bring you into this true purpose of your life, which is to glorify God. So friends, don't use your gifts to make yourself comfortable. Use your gifts to glorify God. Friends, he is inviting you today. Do you see this? He's inviting you to testify to the lordship of Christ. He's inviting you to live for a true and better kingdom. Friends, in in 64 bajillion years, the Capitol building will be no more. Don't give your life to building it. This city will be forgotten and it'll be rebuilt. There'll be a true and better and lasting city here called Zion, and at the center of it, Jesus Christ sits on a throne. Let's live for that kingdom, guys, because Jesus Christ is Lord. He is. He is. Don't live for anything else because nothing else is worthy. Nothing else. So friends, if you're not a Christian today, just come to him and be saved because giving is his disposition, and he wants to give you this life. Don't let your unworthiness hold you back, friends. That's complete foolishness. Come to Christ and be saved. And believe, friends, those of you that are Christians, believe that you actually can glorify God. Do you realize that? I hear this all the time. People say, I would love to evangelize. I would love to share my faith with my non-Christian friends, but I just don't really think I'm gifted to do that. Or maybe... Maybe you're, you're entrapped in sin and you think, I'd love to beat this sin and be free of this, but I don't think I can do that. I'm not powerful enough. And we, we act as if that's a statement of our humility to say, oh, I'm not gifted to glorify God. It's not a statement of our humility. It's a statement of doubt. Because no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Of course you can't glorify God. We read at the beginning of our service from 1 Corinthians 1, God chose what is weak and and, and small and shameful and despised in the world to shame the strong. God is at work in weak people so that he would get all the glory. So friends, it's not humble to say, I can't glorify God. It's doubt. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in you to glorify God. Jesus is the Lord and he will be glorified and he's going to be glorified through your life. You are gifted for the glory of God. And number two, you are gifted by the grace of God. Every Christian, every Christian is uniquely gifted as a free gift from God. So so we talked about what spiritual gifts aren't and where they come from. They come from God himself empowering us, equipping us to live for the glory of Christ. What are these gifts? What do they look like? Well, they look different in everybody. Verse 4. 
Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Notice here the unity and diversity in God. We believe that there is one God. There has always been one God. There will always only ever be one God. And our God eternally exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is how we know God. In the glory and the wonder and the beauty of His oneness and His threeness. He's unity and diversity. And notice also here that there's unity and diversity, not just in our God, but in his people, in the church. Notice three times over, varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. The church is a wonderful, beautiful diversity where every Christian has a unique gift and we're united under the lordship of Christ, under the worship of our God. Varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, the same God. Do you see the three members of the Trinity there? Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And of all things, seen and unseen, there's unity and diversity in God and in the church. And so every Christian is gifted to serve God by serving others. You do have a gift, friends. So again, it's not humble to say, I'm just not a very gifted Christian. No, that's, that's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. It's not humility, it's a lie. Because God has gifted you. Look at the end of verse 6. It is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Everyone. So how do I know that you are gifted? If you're a Christian, if you're a member of this church especially, how do I know that you are gifted? Because you're included in the category of people known as everything. If you were to put a, if you were to have two categories of Christians, if I were to put every Christian in two buckets, a category of gifted and not gifted, everyone would go in the gifted category. You are gifted to serve the church, friends. And your gifts are unique. There's a variety of gifts, variety of service, variety of activities. Skip a few verses down with me to verse 14. Paul uses this incredible image to describe the, the wonder of the diversity of the gifts of God's people. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 21. And listen here for this idea of diversity and everyone having a unique gift. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. He's talking about the human body there. The human body has more than one part. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So you see what they're saying? These these degraded parts of the body, these less visible parts of the body, they're like, oh man, I'm not an eye. Like, I don't have anything good to offer here. Okay, cut off your feet and then see how that goes. It's not going to go well. 
That's not the normative pattern of our life. We need feet. We need ears. And he goes on, verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, all right, feet, you think these eyes are so great? Just think about this. Think about how weak these eyes are. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would, the, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Friends, the gifts that God has given the church are all different, but they're all valuable. They're all different, but they're all valuable. Unity and diversity in the church. Having a more public gift or a more prominent gift doesn't make you a better Christian or a more valuable part of this church. It just doesn't. Because if the whole body were an eye, then where would the feet be? Our church has 60 members. If every one of us was a preacher, then we would not get anything done. We would just talk at each other all day. So, friends, don't look down on others who serve in different ways than you do. But also, on the other side of that, don't believe that your service to our church isn't as valuable as others because less people see it. It's just not true. Our gifts are different, but each one of them is essential. Each one of them is essential. The church cannot do without your gift any more than the body can do without an eye or a feet or a toenail, whatever part of the body you think you are. I mean, that's not really the point. It's not like a personality quiz, like, okay, like if you answer C on this question and that question, you're an I, and if you answer A on these questions, then you're an ear. That's not the point. It's an image. It's a metaphor. The point is to show that the church can't do without your gift any more than the body can do without any part of it. It doesn't make sense for a body to not have a head. It doesn't make sense for the church to not have your gifts. So friends, don't rob the church. Don't steal from the church because you are a gift to the church. You have a gift, full stop. Period. The end. You have to serve because the church needs your gifts. Man, I mean, we see this all the time in D.C. that people go and leave and we say, how on earth are we going to make do without them? And then the Lord brings more people in because he's not going to leave his body without a hand. So friends, that means that you are the hands and the fingers and the knees that we've prayed for. You have gifts. Use them. Don't rob the church. And why do we have these gifts, and how do we use them? Number three, you are gifted to the people of God. You're gifted for the glory of God. You're gifted by the grace of God, and you are gifted to the people of God. God has given you gifts not to make your life easier, 
but to help others. Sometimes we look at people like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos and we say, man, he is so uniquely gifted. Serena Williams, she was in the news a lot this week. Like, man, she is so gifted. I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. That would be so cool. But friends, the gifts that God has given you are not so that you could attain a better life, but so that you could help others grow. Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The word for shows us the purpose, the reason behind it. Whenever you see that word in your Bible, just stop and circle it and ask, what what does it mean? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for, to what end, for what purpose? The common good, the benefit of others. What kind of good are we talking about? If you skip a few pages down, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul continues writing about the gifts. This is a long section talking about the gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about how we use our gifts specifically to build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, like since you guys want to like experience these tongues and all these incredible spiritual things, I'll tell you something incredible and spiritual. Strive to excel in building up the church. That's the incredible spiritual gift. Building up the church. Building up. Edifying. Strengthening. Working for the benefit of the church. And it's important to remember that the church is not an event. The church is not an organization. The church is not a club. The church is not a business. The church is a family. And so we talk, when we talk about doing things for the good of the church, we're not talking about propping up this organization, although we do think it's important. We're talking about caring for the good of the people that make up this family. I mean, like caring for the organization of the church at the neglect of the people of the church is like working really hard to build a house and completely neglecting your family that's going to live in the house. It's foolish. It doesn't make any sense. We work, we use our gifts for the common good, for the building up of the church. Do you see what this means, friends? When you spend time with people in our church family, is this your first thought? Are you thinking about the common good? Are you thinking about other people? Thinking about, how can I benefit this person? How can I serve this person? How can I help this person grow in faith? How can I help these people crush sin and grow in godliness? Are you thinking thoughts like that? You should because God's gifted you to do that. But instead, I think we're so distracted. And we usually think about ourselves. We think about our own agendas like, oh, I need, I need so-and-so to do something for me. I better like, be nice to them. Or even more innocent-seeming agendas. I just really want to have fun tonight. I'm not going to try to have spiritual conversations. I'm just going to have fun. I've earned it. When you spend time with people in our church family, do you think about them and how to serve them? Or do you think about yourself? Friends, expect more. 
God has not brought you into this family so you could have a good time. He's brought you into this family for the health of the body. You are a crucial antibiotic. God is going to use you to crush viruses in our church. God is going to use you to strengthen the health of this body. God is going to use you for the common good. And again, it's not humility to say, I can't do that. I don't know how to encourage someone in the faith. You can, friends. God has gifted you. He's gifted you to do it. You can do it. Look again at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the showing up of the Spirit for the common good. To each. To each. Again, think about those two categories. Are you in the everyone in the each category or the no one category? You're not in the no one category because you are a person. You are a one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Friends, you really can strengthen the faith of other people in this church. You don't need permission. You can do it. And for those of you that aren't members of our church, we want to welcome you into our family and we want to help you. We want to do everything we can to equip you and serve you. We're going to speak in a few weeks about expecting more from the leaders of the church. But let me just give you a teaser right now. One of the things that the the church leaders are to do is not to do the ministry, but to equip you to do the ministry. And so if you want to be equipped and trained and built up to do this, to strengthen the faith of others, be a part of our church, friends. We want to help you. We want to help you. And just notice... Oh, it's, it's so wonderful. Paul's writing about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And he comes, to this, he comes to this point of climax where he just shouts out in praise about love. That's interesting. He's talking about serving the church, and he's talking about tongues, and he's like, don't use tongues that way. And then he talks about love. That's where this teaching on gifts leads, not to our own self-gratification, but to the love of the church in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how spectacular you look. It doesn't matter how impressive your service is. If it's not done in love, it's pointless. It's like a noisy gong. If it's not done in love, if it's not done for the common good, it's pointless. Friends, every Christian is gifted to serve God by serving others. God has gifted you, friends, not to make your life easier so that you can have Jeff Bezos' massive mansion, but to help others grow. When we talk about growing our church, we're not talking about like a bunch of people coming in and so that our event is really big every week. We're talking about every member growing, 
deeper, deepening their love for Christ because he is Lord, deepening their hatred of sin because it's deadly, deepening their commitment to serve God and to live in righteousness. That's what we mean when we say grow the church. And your gifts, friends, are given to grow the church. So maybe you're saying, all right, I'm ready. What do I do next? How do I use my gifts? Well, you could go online and find like a bunch of spiritual gift quizzes. It's like before BuzzFeed, Christians invented the quiz. I don't think that's really helpful because the way that we determine our gifts is not like alone in our room. This is not the Enneagram. This is not Myers-Briggs. Our gifts are not determined within ourselves. They're determined in the context of community. Like, like trying to find your spiritual gifts by taking a quiz on the internet in your room at night is like trying to like look at a picture of a toe and be like, okay, what does this do? It doesn't make any sense. Let me just slap it on the body. So how do you know your gifts? Start by serving. By serving. Throw yourself into serving others and see what God blesses. See what bears fruit. See what you're actually good at and see what you enjoy. And that's important, friends. Because God's gifted every part of you, including your loves and your affections and your emotions. They matter. So throw yourself into serving the church and see what God blesses. See what actually helps people. To help you along that process, I don't just kind of want to tell you like, okay, go serve somebody and see what happens. Uh, I want to help you. I want to challenge you and encourage you and give you some practical needs in our church. And the, the first of them is actually a financial need in our church. So this summer, we've sent out six members to plant a church, including the McDermott's who we prayed for today. We've sent out three members to serve overseas as missionaries. We've sent out five members uh, for military service. So that doesn't seem like a lot of people, six and three and five, until you think about how that's 25% of our membership almost. Um, And so just to be honest, uh, this has put our church in a difficult spot financially as those people have left and gone. And we're excited. We are really excited to see how God uses each of those families in their next place. Uh, but we, we, we need everyone that's left behind to step up in generosity and radical giving and regular giving. And so to those of you who are giving regularly and sacrificially, thank you. We see that, and we honor that, and the Lord honors that, and I want you to persevere in that, friends. Because God, my God, is able to supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To those of you who are giving, but not giving sacrificially, I just want to encourage you to prayerfully consider increasing your monthly giving. Not because... We want to, you know, build up this and, like, have a more comfortable building, but because we want to continue the work. And to those of you who aren't giving, especially, and I'm speaking to members of our church right now, 
I don't want you to think, if this is your first time here or your second time here, I don't want you to think like, oh man, I knew it. Church is all about money. But I, like Full disclosure, I don't get paid very much by the church. Most of my income comes from other sources, and I want that to be the case. Some of you don't like that, but like, that's what I prefer because I want to give. I'm not about your money. I'm about sending and supporting things like Pillar San Antonio and, and, and missionaries like Kendall and the Derbyshires. Friends, I don't care. I've prayed many times, especially as we studied Jonah over the last few months. I prayed many times that if, if our church doesn't live for the kingdom, that God would send a giant fish to swallow this building and take it away from us because we don't deserve it. Friends, it doesn't matter if we have a building, if we're not living for the kingdom, if we're not testifying that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so to those of you who aren't giving, I want you to consider that God has gifted you to the church so that you can use your gifts to serve, including the profound financial blessings that God has given to you. So I want you to pray about that. I want you to consider that. That's just an honest assessment of where we are. You can pray for the elders as we think about uh, where to make responsible cuts. So we have a financial need in the church, but there's also some other ways that you can serve that are, that are just as important. If you're a member of our church, I want you to grab the green connection card off the seat back in front of you. I want you to write your name on it, and I'm, I'm going to list out some practical needs in our church, ways that you can use your gifts to serve others today. I want you to write down one or two of them that you want to get involved with, on that connect card, and then drop it off in the black box. And we'll connect you to the right leaders or the right trainings or the right resources to help you do that. So first of all, um, the Lord has graced us with a building. We've been here for about a year. We figured out how everything works and where all the keys and doors and windows are. Uh, but we need a team to maintain this building. So maybe you're gifted to serve on the buildings and grounds team. If you love to work outside, if you love to work with your hands, if you're really handy... You're on the building and grounds team. You got voluntold. <laughs> Join the building and grounds team. Write that down on your connect card. Drop it off at the black box. We need help with the communications team. So we had some wonderful volunteers serving our church with communications, making slides and graphics and brochures and invite cards. Again, not so that we can be more comfortable, so that we can go and invite people and spread the message of our church so that we can spread the message of Christ. So if you're gifted in any of those areas, graphic design, arts, design, audio, uh, technology, IT, computers, websites, write down communications on that green connect card and drop it off at the box in the back. We have, uh, we have our first impressions team where you could, you could host people as they come into the service. And make sure that first-time guests have a good first impression to our church by welcoming them and greeting them. That team needs more help. All those other teams, those are new teams that are starting up. So if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, join one of those teams. If you don't have an entrepreneurial spirit, you don't want to start something new, that team is all ready to go. You just write down first impressions on that card and drop it off in the black box. We'll connect you to the leaders of that team. Get you on the rotation because they need more help. You can also join an Antioch team. And so we have serve-in teams, like building and grounds and communications and first impressions and music. We also have serve-out teams. One of those serve-out teams is, is the Antioch teams for our missionaries. 
So teams of people in our church that are dedicated to serving the missionaries, those people who have counted the cost and said, I'm going to go and do whatever it takes to say Jesus is Lord among people who otherwise will never hear the name of Jesus. We want to do everything we can to support those people as they lay their lives down for the good of God and the glory of the glory of his name. And so if you want to be involved in that work, I want to give you a really practical way to do it. Join an Antioch team. We have an Antioch team set up for Kendall, who we just sent to training a couple weeks ago. And her team is well-stocked and well-staffed. We also have an Antioch team for the Derby Shires, which needs some more help. So maybe you're gifted to care for people. You're gifted to like put together care packages, and you're just really gifted at knowing people's needs and meeting them. Join the Antioch team for the Derby Shires. You might think, I don't know the Derby Shires very well. I don't know if I should join that team. Don't worry about that. Join the team. There's unity and diversity in the church. You have more in common with the Derby Shires than you do with your non-Christian friend from work. So join the Antioch team for the Derby Shires. And friends, I want to encourage you, don't overthink this. Just start serving. You're not going to be like signing like a six-year lease to serve on the First Impressions team. We want you to start serving. And if you're horrible at it, then we'll tell you, like, we're going to find another place for you to serve. And if you really hate it, then we want you to tell us. We're going to tell us, and we'll find another place for you to serve. This is, like, I, I want you to see the high commitment of, like, God has called you and gifted you to serve the church. I also want you to see the low commitment. Like, you're not signing your life away when you join the First Impressions team. So think about that, friends. So meet some of the practical needs in our church with your gifts. And I also want to encourage you to use your words to strengthen the church. I want you, every member of this church, every Christian in this room, you have a responsibility to strengthen the church, to build up the church, as we read in 1 Corinthians 14. This is your responsibility. This is your mandate. So use your words to strengthen the church. Here's your challenge. In at least three conversations this week, in at least three, just three, I'm trying to get you started. I'm not putting a limit on. I'm giving you a starting point. In at least three conversations this week, try to bring in a specific reference to Scripture to another member in our church. At least three times this week. And this does not have to be fancy. You do not have to get up here and preach a sermon. Just use your words. And this could be as simple as you read the Bible in the morning and then you text somebody about it. I read this passage and I prayed for you. It could be that you, you affirm someone else. If you read something in scripture and you're seeing the godly life described and you, you know someone in our church body that's embodying that and living that out, send them a text and encourage them. Send them a text and encourage them. And say, brother, sister, I see this in your life. And I love that about you. God is at work in your life. You could even use God's word and apply it to a specific situation in someone's life. Someone's going through something. They share about a sin that they're struggling with. They share uh, uh, about something that they want to do. Or a, a decision they're having a hard time making. Or you're seeing them walk away in, a, in an unhelpful way. You bring God's word to bear in their life, friends. 
And again, you might be thinking, I'm not gifted to do that. I can't, I'm not a counselor. I can't speak the word of God to people. Oh, friends, that is so foolish. Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It is within you by God's grace to serve and build up this church. So friends, I want to encourage you to expect more from yourself. I'm going to invite the the music team back up as we close. I want you to expect more from the church. Friends, you are not a part of this family to be a consumer, but to serve. By God's design, the way that we truly live, It's not by protecting ourselves, but by laying our lives down. And why should we expect it to be any other way when our God himself has so graciously and generously served us? He is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He has held back no blessing from you, even the gift of his son, crucified, buried, and risen for you. What an astounding Savior. What an astounding message that we proclaim to our church, to one another, to our city, and to the ends of the earth. God has laid down his life for our good in light of that. Not to earn that. Not to earn that, but in light of that. Let's lay down our lives for the good of one another.